You're listening to Music Mythology. My name is Sam Romo, and let's talk about some music. This is Sam Romo. Uh, this is uh, episode eight, I believe. I'm sitting down with Scott, my brother, and uh, today we're going to be breaking down, um, doing an album review of Gil Scott Heron's Pieces of a Man. Um, this is uh, Gil Scott's first studio album. It was uh, released on, uh, well, no, I'm sorry, it was released in, in 71 and originally recorded in uh, on April 19th and April 20th of uh, also 1971. Um, it's a very um, intense album. It's got a lot of variety in it. Um, you know, we, we did a jazz episode a couple months ago, um, and uh, I, I, I tried to mix up, you know, the interpretation of jazz as much as possible by digging deep into all the, the different genres and subgenres and and um, when I stumbled across this album, because I had never heard this album um, prior to last year, um, I had realized that I had heard this album prior to last year. Yeah. Um, I had heard it uh, sampled, you know, in many things. Uh, like, uh, well, I'll just jump to this, I guess. Um, like, I, I heard it sampled in uh, Kendrick songs, Kanye, Most Def, um, Talib Kweli, um, which, and Black Star, which is both of them. Um, but, uh, yeah, realizing that, like, I know this guy's voice. I know that line, you know. Um, but actually taking um, taking it all in as a full album, as a composition, you know, or just a period piece of that time, too. Um, man, it's a it's a great album. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a phenomenal album. That's why I wanted to review it. It was just, um, of all the albums I really started to learn or warm up to during that last year just in general this one just like i just kept going back to just just for for not maybe not the entirety of the album but there are definitely just just a a grand handful of of tracks on it that are just awesome um and that's what we'll break down today but um we'll we'll go track by track but um yeah i don't know yeah Yeah, for sure um yeah i think it is like what they call that like a little earworm that sort of like crawls in and you're like what why does he say and just that first track which is obviously like everywhere um that one has so many things that give you all these mental images and it's been quoted everywhere and like those lines of um, people throwing that out and i'm sure we'll get you know more into that i take it as um i've watched so many like interviews with him um just talking and how much of a kind of thinker he was Mm. um he's tied in as kind of like an activist like a part of the 60s and 70s and all Mm -hmm. that but he's more kind of just outside like a social critic generally Mm -hmm. or kind of the profit role of like he just kind of comes in and tells it like it is and he tells it in a way that you really can't deny yeah (laughs) um and then you go in and i think like how this record came to be kind of speaks to that as well so i had just some like you know this is this man's life these few years he had were so productive that this album came out of like it's just super impressive so um when I was looking at his life, you start out, um, he's only, uh, like 21 or so when this album, like 
comes out like him. when he's making it or whatever and he that's crazy yeah no it is crazy and just these years right so yeah. um he is in like he's in undergrad he's working on a bachelor's at this school that he basically hates he drops out of there then he goes for um i think like a year or something and then he's starting a master's program so he's like going uh they call them like a walkthrough um, program. So you get mm. your bachelor's and your master's at the same time at oh, John Hopkins. Okay. So as he's finishing that 1970, he's writing a novel for his like final thesis. Like he mm. puts out a novel for the thesis. Before that, he publishes an already independent novel that he's written <laughs> called The Vulture. Right. So it's yeah, basically it. two novels there. Yeah. And then he's got a book of poetry out all before he finishes his master's. And then the following year that's when this album comes out and he was already a pretty practiced spoken word poet too yeah um, like throughout performing all everywhere yeah. just like on the hustle he also starts teaching during that time so he's like really? an adjunct professor at this time that he's wow. doing all of these different things it's <laughs> so nuts. wow so he uh like yeah, how man. how this record came to be they uh he got that published, right? His book published, and the same publisher actually owned the beginnings of the Flying Dutchman, the record company. Oh, I see. And so they told him, like he retells this story, they told him, like, hey, go see if you can sell some of your poems as lyrics. Mm. So he goes to Bob Deal, who's kind of hungry for something Talent. because yeah. he's just started this he yeah. has some connections to jazz musicians but you know no direction as of yet and he's like sure and i guess just in talking with scott heron you know you're like maybe i just need to record this guy so <laughs> they yeah. they've connected they do small talk at 125th which is the same name of his book of poetry but they do kind of right. a live version um to raise funds to do this album and that includes, with studio musicians and all that. And that includes the revolution will not be televised, right? But as a spoken word version. Yeah. 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 And there's a few that sort of pop up at later times, um, like Whitey on the moon comes yeah. from that. And then a few other, um, actually a Kanye, um, sample comes from that. Who will survive in America? Yes. Right. Which later becomes yeah. another song that Gil Scott Heron does, but yeah, Kanye uses and lost in the that world. line anyway. He throws yeah. it in there. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, but it's just like, Boom, 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 boom. These four years, like that's crazy. He's just knocking it out, and then he does. You know, they got 1970 is Small Talk. 1971, Piece of a Man comes out. 1972, Free Will comes out, and then he gets a little break, and they do Winter in America in '74. Mm. Yeah, and those are all with Brian Jackson and. Probably his most successful outside of this latest one that got more popular after he passed. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, this one's definitely reigns supreme though as his first. I mean, it's his first, but studio album that is but it's uh like it's the highest seller it's just it's the most sampled like a lot of it comes from this one yeah um yeah and it's very it, it's crazy that he uh, sorry i want to turn myself down um it's crazy that he um he was pumping out so much work renaissance man is doing so much for sure <laughs> and then um i mean bob Thiel must have realized you know the ambition behind the work and the you know the character behind the work and the man because bob deal had already been a producer for he wasn't a nobody in jazz he, he, he yeah. worked with coltrane he worked with uh he uh, co-wrote what a wonderful world yeah Louis Louis Armstrong is crazy. <laughs> so he knew talent he knew what was know, going on lyrics, yeah. but yeah just amazing of like 
I just have this talent here. We got to figure out a way to make it work. And even the guys that he brings in to be uh, the musicians on the album. Yeah. Oh, they're phenomenal. Brian Jackson, like all of them are established. Yeah. Like Purdy, the drummer is a session drummer, but he, him and his band that he would bring in were just phenomenal. Oh yeah. He's one of my favorite art uh, player. I mean, everyone's great on this album, but those drums are just, it's killer. It's killer. I love, and yeah, we'll get into the, the tracks or whatever, but, um, you know, Hubert Laws on the flute and Ron Carter on the bass. So he had yeah. just left Miles Davis, the second um, great quintet. Mm-hmm. If you watch that documentary that's on Netflix, yeah. Netflix right now, yeah, he's the one that's like, and then Miles wanted me to play electric bass. And I was like, forget that. Like, <laughs> I'm not doing that. That was him. And so he left the quartet wow. and goes and he's on this album because he has mm. relations to Bob Thiel. So these were not like jokesters yeah yeah coming in and being on this yeah. random kids album but. well i mean you can you can tell i mean oh, if you sure i mean especially um i mean here let me get the track list i mean like uh uh home home is where the hatred is uh, and uh when you are who you are like the the music in that is, is all, I mean the music in all of it's great, but specifically when you are who you are, that's I mean that's a very fast song, mm-hmm. and it's and it's just stellar. I mean from the guitar solo to the the, the quick drums, um, and like we were just saying, I love the accompaniment of the flute throughout the, the oh, whole yeah. thing. I mean it's very old school, but it's just. It per, it's perfect the, yeah. in, the, in the playing style of how it's done is it's electrifying you know it's not just a, a, a hokey flute, is, flute the flute is underrated <laughs> i mean it probably got abused like around that time and that's why people stopped doing it yeah but for sure man but th- this is a good this is a good example of a good good way to do it oh yeah <laughs> yeah save the children for sure um so um the only thing so yeah, so we talked about um, his his primary collaborator Brian, um, but uh, Brian also played piano um, for the record, uh, like and wrote most of the music. As yes. I understand it, now he uh, Gil Scott wrote the first four tracks. It's all him. It's all him. Hmm. Um, everything else was collaboration with him and, and Brian Jackson. Uh, we already talked about the producer. Um, now the the album itself, um, I, I have a quote here from Gil Scott just about the kind of the reception of it, um, because like we said, it, it it talks about there's a lot of content in there, there's a lot of social commentary, a lot of uh, emotional commentary, like you know internal problem struggles and stuff just that we we've all could relate to or know someone that could relate to. It's just it's very it's very socially uh, relative album. For sure. Um, but some sociological points I'll make. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Uh, but I just wanted to share this album just because, you know, some people couldn't get past the first song. Um, make, maybe think it was too preachy or what. Um, but um, his quote was, uh, uh, the first track was the only political piece on the album. Very few people heard Save the Children, tracks like Lady Day and John Coltrane, or I think I'll call it Morning. They just missed the point. The point became one of the 11 pieces the least inventive one of the album was the one that was the most herald heralded maybe people were intimidated by things that we felt were normal to comment on because they were part of our lives to ignore part of your life and not speak on it because it's it might intimidate somebody is not to be very mature 
Um, and I mean, that's proven on with this album that that's definitely his perspective that yeah. to not speak of things is immature to him, you know, cause he touches on, on my almost any facet of life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was watching an interview, um, just recently and he's got a lot of great one liners, but there's one line that, that quote kind of made me think of, he said, and I'm going to butcher it because you know, his <clears throat> delivery was just awesome, but <clears throat> he's like on the streets, you know, somebody can get over on you and take your bread, but that doesn't mean you have to be quiet about it. So mm. he was just like, you know, I might get hustled. I'm going to learn something, mm. but I don't have to be quiet about, you know, what just happened to me also yeah so i can speak on all these different things and i think he does do a pretty good job um brian jackson talked about this revolution will not be televised much later and he was just saying like some of these things are all references to things that were on the tv when he was writing that poem oh i'm so sure he's like some of them didn't even survive to the time they recorded the record like he was just watching tv and he's like this is a nonsense um, reference it's just something that he saw like on a yeah. commercial offhand yeah blah, blah 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 like i'm just throwing it out there and it's you know just saying that this was on tv and that's not where the revolution is going to be. Yeah, and sure. that was his sort of main point. And I think it's, I think that part, I understand his frustration with people just jumping on that because mm -hmm. it became, it's kind of an anti commercial like song. Oh, very But much. then it becomes like his most <laughs> kind commercial of commercial song. <laughs> but, yeah. Like one interview that I, was watching with him it's they were asking him about like why don't you make music videos or make some sort of visual about you know these pictures and all that mm -hmm. and he says well this is kind of my medium i'm a you know spoken i write word. yeah i'm spoken word i try to make mental pictures so whether it's a actual visual or it's a mental image that i'm giving you like i'm communicating that same thing like this is my talents this is where my creativity goes so yeah i go through that and then he kind of gets into this debate of i mean not debate really but um and this was like you know, mid seventies, about to be the eighties when he's talking about kids that are like raised by TV and how mm. much, you know, how much they thought back then that people were going to be just, you Zombie. know, watching, yeah, the TV and da 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 da, da to yeah. now, like this would probably blow their minds oh, yeah. to see yeah, yeah. how much tech we have. And maybe it is really doing something to us, but he was kind of engaging in that and saying mm. like the revolution will not be televised is saying like, you're not just going to be able to view it. Like it's not going to be something that you're going to consume in the same way that you're consuming this television. It's going to be a change of your mind. Like yeah. that's what he's just trying to get that separate like yeah. we're going for something that you cannot see like that because you can't consume it yeah. like that because it's going to be a part of you yeah and i also took it as it's not going to be marketable it's not going to be something that's going to fit every metric fit every demographic fit everything and uh th that's why I, that, uh, as a marketing person that's why i love it so much is because he tears apart so many like it it will not go better with coke it will not make your teeth brighter you know it's yeah. like it, all these one lines these 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 hooks that all these <laughs> marketers have been using you know to he just turned it in on itself like you know as american you know you're not as or as a person but as an american i'll just keep like that you're not you're not the media you consume you know you're you you know, and until you realize that, 
you're just going to be what people tell you to for be. For sure. You know? For sure. And that was like a quote that he continually saying. He's like, I was trying to say that the revolution is going to be in your mind. And it's not something that is necessarily for sale. I think that a lot of the work that sampled it or even like referenced it, mm-hmm. some these artists don't understand like that principle argument and even like yeah i don't know if you went back and listened to that but there's a snoop version where he's like the television or the revolution will be televised like he says it will be televised and it's just never completely like in the face of (laughs) what he's trying to say and i mean i think that like you know some of the protests that we saw this past summer and even around ferguson probably like the closest to maybe what Scott Heron had in mind of saying like, you know, people's minds are changing towards asking about different things, mm. right? He was very political minded and saying like, we need to open up our mind and think about the possibilities of where we're at, where we're going. Mm. Some of that's economic, but some of that is cultural. Like, um, in the talk of that album or those short stories, he addresses mm. kind of like these people that are all like super Africa or whatever, like black protesters that are all super Africa, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, you forget, like, we're also trying to get degrees. We're also trying to, like, there's so many expressions of mm. what this will look like for yeah. different people and for different things. And that's the point is just to move forward and to yeah. have that change of mind. So mm. I don't know, but yeah, it's Xerox and four parts. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we can, we can hit it off now. Um, just focusing on that one. I mean, that, that when that song starts, I mean, it's like a palpable sense of like almost like urgency yeah with something's like about the, to happen yeah like the just the the beat that heart that the boom, 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 like it's just like it, it moves you you know and it's got that that palpable energy of of, of like passion you know mm. it's like someone's about to say something you know it just yeah. it just feels like that you know right off the bat perfect yeah, perfect think, like that's probably why it's stuck with so many people like you will not be able to stay home brother like just goes you know (laughs) like yeah you're already there (laughs) yeah well it's like he he almost it's like if you're i don't know i want to try and make this sound as bad as possible (laughs) let's say your only exposure to the 60s and 70s is like watching forrest gump or something Mm -hmm. you know and you're like you see the general idea of protesting and like the general transition of society into certain you know new phases and yada yada and then you hear if you hear this album you're like oh yeah that'd definitely be the idea that i'd get of a guy standing on the corner like yelling this stuff and it's like it will not be televised, you know. Like, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, oh, for sure. Yeah, but, this definitely sounds like yeah, a corner profit. For sure. <laughs> but but it's done. It's tra- it's like translated into such a good, not popular song structure, but just a song structure. It's good. It's a good um, um, resemblance of what it really stands for, because like the feeling and the um, um, just the delivery that he gives. Um, it's it's hard hitting and 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 it has like. Um, other little things like the accompanying like flute again the play style of that flute yeah it's very it's it's swift it's very fast and in the background and it, it just again it just gives you a heightened but i think that's also i mean that's why it gets the he gets the hated godfather of rap sort of moniker on him because it was really the first time that you had a pairing of great 
music with, you know, something that was really trying to say something. And there was so many lyrics coming at it. Like it felt like there was a relationship between the music and the poetry. Yeah. And before, I don't think that that was as popular to do. It was like, oh, we can have music. And then the poem is sort of separate and they're thought of separately. But with this one, it does feel like there's collaboration. Like you said, the music is fast. He's talking fast at portions where he kind of slows down. Then the music does its thing. And like, you know, there is a relationship to that. And I could see that as kind of the beginnings when you think about, you know, Curtis Blow and even like Lab 5, like that sort of storytelling over a beat. It's just he had... You know, world-class musicians there. Yeah, well, and, and if you wanna, <laughs> if you wanna try and uh, focus on like um, the beginnings of rap, and especially if you wanna be one of the people that like will pinpoint like the Sugar Hill Gang at yeah. like, the beginning. I mean, that's seventy-nine. This is seventy-one. So it's For like sure. he might not have liked it. That that's the, the yeah. mantle that was donned on him by others. But I mean, it's it's pretty close because like I, a lot of people refer to it as a proto. Yeah. Yeah. Prior to what we'd assume, you know, expect rap to be. Well, sorry, that was a bad way to put it. It was around before no one was had the expectation to make that type of music. Yeah, and before they were calling it that and yeah. trying to sell it as yeah. that. Especially over jazz, which is just feels much more, I don't want to say like American, but much more like isolated. Like it wasn't like something that he heard from the UK and wanted to do. Yeah. It was just like... Let's get the some some musicians that we know. I like jazz. I can do it over that. Let's do it. Yeah. You know? And I'm sure that that was a lot of um, collaborative effort from the producer and all, again all these stellar musicians who are like, we have a stellar talent here ready to say something. Let's mm-hmm. just make sure we're we're going to do it well. We're yeah. Gonna, we'll be able to connect it. We'll give sure. them a good foundation. Yeah. And I think like what he was aspiring to do. I. I think he was more negative on what, you know, potentially rap was when that was kind of thrown on him. And I think that's what he kind of jerked at because he was was really popular. I mean, he was thinking popular music was jazz. Like that was Mm. a great art form and that's what he was aspiring for blues and jazz and not like, I think it was like mid nineties. Oh yeah. People started talking about like. Oh, you know, this is the proto rap, or like you're saying, yeah. like the, he's the godfather of kind of this music or whatever. Well, and that at was that time, yeah, highlight gangster rap and yeah, all exactly. that jazz. And he was just like, mm, I don't think I did this. Yeah, well, especially because at that, <laughs> and then that, some of those years he was gone too. So, oh yeah, exactly. Well, and and I also feel that that point of that phase of rap culture, it, it didn't, I mean, some of it did, but n- not to the point of like modern rap right now. It didn't include like R and B and soul and funk, like in a long winded way. Like it wasn't like, it wasn't like a, a huge composition all the time. Sometimes it was just like what we were just saying is MWA or it was, it was, it was someone like harder hitting. Now there was people like public enemy that maybe yeah. he could relate to yeah, a little yeah. bit more. Um, but the, 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 like, like, like the, like I'm trying to think of like really like mumble rap, uh, uh, real flashy shit. Like, I feel like that's the stuff that he did not want to be related to at all. Yeah. And, 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 for all we know, there's probably people that reached out to him that were very much that type of artist, but got their spark from 
you know, him or yeah. something similar. Yeah, oh yeah, for And he sure. just doesn't like that relative, you know, being relative to that. That's what it <laughs> is. And then, I mean, I'm not from there. I've known a few people that are from there, but the way that New York kind of treats his artists and does different things like their relationship to each other within mm-hmm. kind of rap and artists and going back to mm-hmm. those roots is very like you know, clannish almost. Yeah. And so like they'll pin that and it might be the people that were trying to attach to him. Hmm. You know, he didn't really have a relationship with, but they might've taken inspiration from him and done all that. And he's just like, no, I'm not with that. So (laughs) like it could have just been as simple as that. He wasn't thinking about a broader movement of music and genre and all that. So, yeah. Well, and sometimes when you, when you're inspired by foundations of other types of music and you, you make what just comes naturally to you. It's like you're you're tying all these elements together, and you sometimes you don't even realize what you're doing. You yeah. Know? And and then when you do it, and you introduce it, is introduce someone else to it, and they're like, "What is that? What did you just do?" It's like, "Oh, I just I, I mixed you know some kind of jazz fusion with with spoken word you know poetry over it, and it's just you know." a different type of project, you know, and just, I wanted to give it a, a, a bet. I wanted to elevate it, wanted to elevate my message a little bit mm-hmm. and, and let's accompany it with, with great music. Um, so, uh, the only, there, there's, there's a couple of lines here, um, before we move on to the next one yeah, that see. I wanted to, uh, <clears throat> specify as some of my favorite ones, just as saying that this is like a pretty like anti marketing, anti you know what, whatever. Uh, but just saying, like, um, let's see, not the beginning part. Um, this is the line: uh, the revolution will not be brought to you by the Schaefer Award Theater. It will not star Natalie Woods, Steve McQueen, or Bullwinkle and Julia. The revolution will not give your mouth sex, sex appeal. The revolution will not rid of, uh, get rid of the nubs. The revolution will not make you five pounds thinner because the revolution will not be televised. Um, it's just, I just love that. Now it's very period it's focused of like some of the references he's making, obviously, but it's all stars, you know, celebrity, uh, uh, marketing terms will give your mouth sex appeal, uh, get rid of the nubs. I assume that's a, uh, to a, a, an injured soldier, you know, saying like, it's not going to yeah, take away gonna do that. the war in the past. Um, it's not going to make you five pounds thinner. You know, it's not going to be the, the, a long-term or a short-term solution. It's just going to be what it is. And, um, but, but I love that line because it ties in relevant things from the time, but it also just shows again that it's not going to, it's not going to be relative. <laughs> the, the, it's like you're not it, it's going to be it's not going to be televised it's not going to be marketable it's like change and social change it's it's a feeling you know like what you were saying before it's mm-hmm. not it's not something that you put on I mean yes you, there's a lot of propaganda you can put on a poster to evoke a feeling but this is more like pinpointing like all the things around you that you might feel like have a purpose and give you purpose, but it's really just there to aim you a certain way to buy a product, to believe that this person is an action star, you know, super, you know, person, whatever. But it's like, it's, it, it, that's just how they're being portrayed to you. you. You need to remember, you know, you, you have personal agency too. And this is a person too. Like there's, there's just so much stuff that, that I don't know, you could dissect from that. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a, what we'd now call like, well, to use that, the revolution, there's like a postmodern marketing idea. I always liked the lines, um, 
There'll be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on a rail with a brand new process. There'll be no, no slow motion or still life of Roy Wilkins strolling through Watts in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit <laughs> that he'd been saving for just the proper occasion. It's kind of like, <clears throat> I mean, those are both. Um, one was the National Urban League and um, leader of the NAACP's. So, like, these are black civil rights leaders that mm -hmm. he might have considered, you know, more compromised or whatever in mm -hmm. league with kind of the structures and powers that be. Um, and then the black, the red, black, and green was like a pan-African flag, which at the right. time there was like a big, let's go back to Africa movement. Let's just leave America for African-Americans. And mm -hmm. so he's saying like, that's not going to be on TV. They're not going to show yeah. a bunch of like, Exodus. Of yeah. yeah. <laughs> African leaders going like, let's go back to Africa <laughs> for you to watch it and be like, oh, that's oh, awesome. Look, they're leaving. <laughs> but, I just love it the way he says it too. Yeah. Because it's like, because also the way he delivers a lot of these lines. That he has but Saban, but just the occasion. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's the way he says it was is with such confidence. It's almost like he's, he's reporting reality. <laughs> yeah. Like, like he's like, uh, you might be trying to do this, but that's not how it's going to go. Are you yeah. paying attention? Yeah, because he has a great... Here's a live report. Because <laughs> he grew up, let's see, he grew up in, like, Tennessee, and then he moved to New York when he was, like, a teenager. So he got, mm. like, the southern kind of draw, and then he got the New York tempo. So it's all just, like, but then there's still, like the slowness that kind of comes with the way that Southerners mm. kind of talk. And I don't know, it was just a great, and he's got a great kind of tenor to you. Yeah. Yeah. His delivery of, of, of whether he wrote it or not, it's just, he, he wears it, you know, he, he, yeah. he projects it. It's, it's palpable. Um, the other line, uh, from this track is, uh, uh, well, I guess I'll just go with this one. It's the very last one. I just love how it ends. I love how it ends with him, you know, saying it will not, it will not be televised, will not be televised. Uh, the revolution will be no rerun, brother. It'll be live. Like, I, I just love, because that's another um, clue, like chime in, like, hey, I'm not talking about, like, you know, like, I just want to make sure you're paying attention because what I'm talking about isn't going to be something on the TV. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to tell you, it's not going to be there. It's not going to come back either. Yeah. It's not going to be something that we're going to talk about if it is impactful. If it's a big enough change, it's not, it might not be something that they want to talk about again because who knows what it is. And to say that it's live, it's like, especially right now, it's like almost everything's live now <laughs> like yeah. with society. And so to, to end it with that, that statement of saying, uh, the revolution, I'll put it this way, a revolution will be live. It's like if, if you, if, if, if it's going to be a huge mode of change, it's going to be impactful. It's going to be sensational on all fronts. It's going to be live. You're going to live it. It's not going to be live TV. We're going to stream it. Nowadays, it probably is. Yeah. But in, in, in the intention he had at this time and the way it ties to modern times, it's like he, he still hits on both sides. If you want to take it literally, that it will be live, it's going to be live nowadays. Most things really are yeah um even if a government wants to keep it down there's gonna be someone streaming it some way and as long as it daisy chains to the right people and gets to the right people you'll find an audience we'll yeah. see it um but just it's yeah that's a it's a heavy song think of yeah let me um let me connect it to something i was thinking about when you're saying that alive and that makes me think of um <clears throat> so marshall McLuhan is kind of a uh 
uh, well, he was an English professor, but he had the medium as the message. I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase no. before. Um, his kind of thing was like, we have um, different technology actually creates different atmospheres or whatever. Um, so the radio, what he considered a hot medium and then TV was a cold medium and it's based on kind of like interaction that you could have um, but the revolution will not be televised made me think about that too and also his conversation of um, on the interview that I watched him talking about how he was a writer mm -hmm. and that's what he wanted to communicate in mental images not just those visual images that you could sort of detach from right, right? like right. if it's a mental image you are almost doing that work right and mm -hmm. that's also that play on this is going to be live it's not going to be yeah you know something that you can tune in and tune out yeah that old like tim leary kind of connection there with <laughs> psychedelics it's right. like no you're going to be in it yeah <laughs> you have to engage this because it's going to engage you yeah so it's lasting <laughs> and impactful um anything else on that one I'm good on that one. Cool. Uh, next track is uh, Save the Children. It's a uh, much more optimistic, you know, it's a calm, kind of breezy driving song. And that's why I think it's perfect that the opening line is if you're driving through the country yeah. on a lazy afternoon. I was going to say. That, the whole that, thing that feels pretty like. much sums it right up right there. <laughs> Although I love the flute. I mean, like yeah, oh, my yeah. favorite part about this is the flute. This one, like. It's very vibrant. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, this one's almost really preachy too. Like this Hell could yeah. be a Sunday sermon of. Well, this is just the, the, the positive side of, yeah. or, or the optimistic side of preachy uh, uh, profession. It's, yeah. it's just, he's, he's focusing on what it really can be, not just focusing on like, unfortunately what it is. You yeah. Know what I mean, yeah. I mean, this is like Whitney Houston's, the children are our future. This yeah. is like yeah. all that mm -hmm. genre of music. Yeah. And like. You know, it's the kids. It's the kids, yeah. But it's a it's a it's a lighter song. It's more hopeful. But it's a it's a really that's a great. It's a beautiful song. I love the line. Um, uh, they seem to be so unaware of the things that they'll soon have to take care of. Um, and he kind of he he duplicates that throughout, saying things like, um, um, "Soon it will be their turn to try and save the world." Right now, they seem to play such a small part of uh, the things that they soon will be right at the heart of. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a good it's a good summary of of uh, generational progress change. and yeah. change, yeah, and in addressing what needs to be changed, I guess, but, it, but in not a hard way. Yeah, and not and that's why I made that quote, uh, or I shared that quote earlier. Is because that's what he talks about. Is literally the first. You might think the beginning of the album is heavy, but then that's, once you get past that song, it's like I just switch it to the other side of the frequency. I'm yeah. saying like I'm still being very serious here and commenting on some very serious things, but it's it, it's just you can be optimistic about it. Like I'm not you know all doom and gloom because you gotta have hope. You know, and that's yeah, what the song's about. Come back to the children for the home for sure. I just think of. Um and she's had some generational conflicts like now, but that Greta, what is her name? The, oh, the activist yeah, I know you're girl. About. I know yeah. she's just like, she's talking to older generations and be like, you are giving us this problem, but you're not allowing us to, you know, engage in it and help in it in yeah. the same way. So it's like, you need to listen to us because we're the ones that are inheriting mm -hmm. this world. And I kind of get that same vibe from yeah. this song. He's at least like, Hey, like, 
they don't care right now, or maybe some of them do, but yeah. they're going to be it, and <laughs> these yeah. are the things that we're handing down for sure. Yeah, and it, and I don't think there'll be a day that the the song isn't relevant, or the message of the song isn't relevant, because oh, yeah. yeah. every every generation you're put through some test from the the previous. Yeah, until we're in prior. some generate children of men situation. Uh, hopefully not <laughs> ladies and gentlemen I'm hoping we do not hit that and if you haven't seen that movie uh, Children of uh, Ch Ch Children of Men right? yeah yeah that's a phenomenal movie it'll freak you out um, <laughs> uh, do you have anything for anything else on that one? alright cool uh, the next song uh, the next track on the album is uh, Lady Day and John Coltrane um for those that don't know, uh, Lady Day is, because uh, you'd call it a nickname or an alternative name um, for Billie Holiday, um, famous singer. Um, this one's more groovy. It's more jazzy. I mean, the whole album is jazzy, but this one I just feel like has a little more jazz spice on it. Um, yeah, it's it's basically just an ode to to Billy and John um, and the 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 magic of music, the the healing ability of music. Um, like the, the, the ability of music to get rid of personal problems um, or feelings or, you know, uh, uh, worries, existentialism, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just, um, but it's a, it's a great song. It's very groovy. I, I, I really like it. Um, I'm trying to think of, let me see. Like my, my favorite line uh, from the song um, is... Uh, here it is, sorry. Uh, plastic people with plastic minds on their way to plastic homes. No beginning, there ain't no ending, just on and on and on and on. It's all because they're so afraid to say that they're alone until our hero rides in, rides in on his saxophone. I just love that line because it, it, that, that line right there is the thread for, you know, is the, the hole that the thread goes through for the whole album mm -hmm. of, of, of stating, you know, they're they're it's because they're also afraid of saying that they're alone you know realizing that you know they're afraid to say it that's what this album's about is he's not afraid to say these things you mm -hmm. know and, and he doesn't think that there should be a problem with saying these things yeah is because you know it's like like this kind of stuff like later on like i feel like some of this will tie into the story song of, of pieces of a man where he's talking about you know how a, a strong man can can change how how wor how the world and environments and 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 connections and social ties and social pressures can change you and 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 crack you put you in the pieces mm -hmm. um and 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 that the only way to because he talks about in that song pieces of a man we'll get to it but you know he talks about the the way you mitigate that the way you fix that is you talk about it, you're open about these things you share it you know you 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 involve your community you do something about it yeah and that's why i love that that line is is because there are a lot of people that are afraid and they don't even realize it because they're just doing what they've always seen in their lives other people do but you're not being as expressive as you you could be, you know, and I feel like that's what the song is, is, is talking, praising the power of music, but also saying that, um, almost praising them as, look how expressive they were, it makes me feel better, you know, it makes me feel like I could do something too, that I'm not just a name, I'm not just what I think I am today, mm -hmm. I could be a musician, I could be this, I could do all sorts of things, but I have to admit it to myself, I have to talk about it, I have to be open about anything that I think I am. You know, I don't know. I like that interpretation. No, um, <clears throat> see, I, I, a similar vein, but I also kept or 
maybe this is the first time it's really introduced, but um, the drug connection. So this song kind of reminds me of John Legend's Let's Get Lifted, where he kind okay. of does that interplay of like, are we talking about music here or are we talking about drugs? Are mm. we talking about like how a song can make you feel or how some sort of like substance can make you feel, right? Because mm, okay. there's some, you know, some slang of John Coltrane being cocaine and being an escape, right? Mm -hmm. So there is that kind of element that could be kind of a double meaning on these different things. But then it's also like all throughout his life, he was very complimentary of Ella Fitzgerald and John Coltrane. And like I said, like that was what he aspired to do with his music was to put out something that was as respected and as well known as like the jazz that he admired and he looked up to. So I think it could be both like as much of the drug themes sort of take over kind of on the rest of this album. Mm. Like I think there could be that element, but then it's also like music is really hopeful and it helps us to get out of these different things. If it's escapist, maybe it's like a door to that world where we could go there and not just like escape to and have to come back. Yeah. Like what he said, I'm not just going to tune in and zone tune out. Like I'm not, I'm not just going to zone out. It's, 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 it's purposeful. Hmm. It's, it's, it's remedy. It's therapy. Um, but, but I, I do see what you're saying. And I think that's, that's a lot of the writing in this album is it's, 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 um, double meaning. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, it's a, it's a, it's a part of music writing that makes it so. And poetry too. Fun. And that's kind of what this primarily was. And then he sort of elevated or wanted to get it out more. So right. poetry can always have multiple meanings and I'm sure yeah. he'd be like, yeah, that's exactly what I. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, and, and like what you're saying about Coltrane and his life, I mean, that wasn't secret. Yeah. So, oh, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, that is very true. It's a, it's very, um, the song structure is awesome. I love the, I love the way that song sounds and the little piano solo in the middle. Yeah. It's a good, yeah, it's a good say. track. It's one of my favorite ones. Um, the one after that is, um, this one might be my favorite one on the album. I know this was the single um, there's only one single for this album released prior and it was this one, um, home is where the hatred is. Um, obviously a play on the, the line home is where the heart is. Um, it's more social, um, social commentary, but it's written from the perspective of a junkie from a loner junkie. Um, kind of to give you relevance, you know, kind of give you insight that, you know, you might count discount this person you know because of the a a moment in their life that they made bad choices but you know you might be able to relate to them more than you you might imagine um but uh it's hard hitting it's a hard hitting beat um quick guitar uh just feeling almost like work needs to be done (laughs) you know it's like Mm -hmm. um like it, it feels like the the cadence or the 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 feeling of a heavy conversation, like yeah. the way the song feels, it feels like you're not you're not just going to talk about you know just how you're disappointed, but you're going to work it out. You're going to talk about a lot of heavy things. Um, but it is, it's it's a serious song, um, um, produced and um, it's a serious song produced and written very well. Um, to where it's, I mean, th- th- this has been sampled many times. Um, 
and it's it's just I I I think it's a strong one of the stronger songs on the album, if not the strongest one. Um, I I can break down some of my favorite lines. I don't know if you have anything you wanted to add. Well, I was just gonna say like, I think having the song in the record is him wanting to talk about it, but I think the actual like character in the song doesn't want to talk about it mm. and i think like that's with the rhythm that it sounds like a train almost like i'm leaving like i can't go home like yeah i got to keep on going this because i know all of these things that are home and so i need to be on the run like i <laughs> yeah you know um but yeah i like the there's a lot of great lines in here um my favorite is uh you know that you keep saying kick it quit it yeah. kick it quit it um but did you ever try to turn your sick soul inside out and yeah. so that the world can <laughs> well, just watch you yeah die? well that's my yeah i want to read the whole thing really quick because it says stand as far as away from me as you can and ask me why hang on to your rosy rosary beads close your eyes to watch me die you keep saying kick it quit it kick it quit it god but did you ever try to turn your soul, sick soul inside out so that the world so that the world can watch you die that's i mean He's talking about how people can clutch onto religion and their their um, individual choices to say like like almost like thoughts and prayers, like saying like I'll give you my thoughts and prayers, you know, but I won't involve myself in your yeah. Like I'm not actually gonna touch you and you know be with you on a Saturday night that you want to do this or you're gonna go somewhere. Yeah, I'm gonna actually be a sponsor. Yeah, Yeah. I'll just (laughs) thoughts and prayers. I'm thinking about you right now. I got you. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's, that's one of the harder hitting lines. Cause especially at this time, I imagine that didn't, you know, wasn't a popular thing to want to hear to criticize yeah, for know, sure. church or church practice as a, re, you know, as a non reassuring act of I being like, it, I mean, he's literally calling it shallow, you know, yeah. like you're, you're literally just standing aside is all you're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very heavy line. Um, and I think, I mean, it's just like such a vivid picture of what admitting maybe to yourself, admitting mm. to your family, to your community that you have a problem. Like and what it feels like. Yeah, when people have addictions, it's like, I'm going to put my whole self inside out for you. And then I'm expecting or you've already done it, like rejected small pieces of me. So why am I just going to like put yeah. myself out and then really yeah. <laughs> feel that pain well, and that rejection? And I feel like that term of saying, um, turn your six soul inside out um, so that the world can watch you die. I feel like the term watch you die is maybe that's a double meaning, like saying like mm. turn your six soul inside out. Because there's potential you could die to yourself, you mm. know, and maybe move on. Or there's the potential of you turn yourself inside out trying to prove yourself or prove your character and show what could be to someone that you, maybe you loved or a community that you thought you could trust and that it wasn't. Yeah. It, yeah. They did not help you, you know, and that's why home is where the hatred is because I don't, you know, home isn't warm. You know, I don't, yeah. you know, when I turned myself inside out and tried to show myself to someone, whether it be my father or my community or what, you know, that, that they didn't welcome me. You know? Yeah. So you got it both ways, like from the community you thought and then from the drug itself that sort of let you down and yeah. it's still there. Like you're always connected to Yeah, that, that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. Because especially if, if, if he's talking from the perspective of a junkie, uh, most of the time, a junkie is aware that the drug is a solution and a problem, mm-hmm. right? To them, it's it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, they're not 
dumb. They're not, they're not, they don't think that this is the, the forever solution. They, yeah. they know it's momentary. But yeah, that's there was one on. um, one interview I watched. It's probably the same interview, but it was like one of the last that he gave, and um, <clears throat> he was talking about like people don't set out to become junkies. You know, you don't like. Oh, I'm gonna pick up this habit. This is gonna ruin my life or whatever. Yeah. He's like, it's just how some people react to life and things that happen. And he tells this like. This is like a really intense story. This guy was like um, a traffic terminal sort of director mm-hmm. or whatever. And this one day he made like a choice for two different planes, like two different planes were coming in and one was going to da. And I guess he, you know, told them or tried to tell them where to go and like lost one of the planes. Like it crashed and mm-hmm. it like killed a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, the man was never the same because of that kind of decision. Mm -hmm. And so he started coping in different ways and then ended up and like he said, now he's was a homeless man that he was interacting with, but it was like, he didn't set out in his life. Like that wasn't his aspirations to become a junkie or to be addicted to substance. It just how life happened to him and how he reacted to it. So it's more of like trying to humanize it. And I definitely think that that conversation was not happening in 1970. No, no. No, no, yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> it's hardly happening no. now. I mean, it's kind of happening now with, um, you know, painkillers and opioids and all that. But yeah. yeah. It's a different audience now. Well, and I think people are realizing that it's not normal to also get berated by, like, pharmaceutical commercials all the time. <laughs> yeah, the opioids is, is a different thing, for sure. Uh, but, yeah. no, for sure. And, um, but, yeah, but it, it's another relative um song about uh, drug involvement um, from the next series of lines like um, home home is where I live inside my white powder dreams home was once an empty vacuum that's filled now with my silent screams um, home is where the needle marks try to heal my broken heart I mean that though those last like handful of lines that's like like that is some of the the like the, the, the pinnacle of the focus on the drug reliance and, and, and use, you know, in a, in a lifestyle as a solution. Um, cause I say where he, he, he lives inside, it's a dream, you know, mm-hmm. like it's not just a, a white powder reality even. It's like, I just feel like he's, he's saying that he's, he's aware again, he's aware it's, it's a problem and a solution because it's, it's an escape while, while you're escaping, you're not yourself. You yeah. Know? And, and, um, which one thing like, and this is, you know, kind of the, the power of of the poet but at this point you know there's no documented i guess that he was using mm. but later on in his life he yeah. did have a spell with drugs where it wasn't good for him and he was you know addicted to these substances and it was kind of controlling what mm-hmm. he was doing but at this point you know for all intents and purposes he's just looking from the outside in and being able to describe this feeling and this emotion i think that's pretty powerful just for him as a writer and um yeah. you know getting at that just him as a person being that empathetic to what's going on yeah yeah well and to be uh like what you're saying to, to be a megaphone to a smaller voice you know mm-hmm. especially at the time um yeah, especially during the, the during the seventies, that you, you had to know the right people, get the right connection. That's what we were talking about just in the beginning. Is that this this is a this is a prime uh, takeoff point because of everybody involved, from the yeah. artist to the producer to 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 him being such a, a force mm-hmm. um, that all it had to be was good timing, um, and that's what it was. And and um, 
No, there's a, there's a lot to, to say. Um, I'm double checking this interview. There was a um, <clears throat> they OK Player, which is kind of affiliated with the Roots. Like, it's this little website, and they do different music blogs or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they interviewed Brian Jackson, and I think it was on this oh. interview where he was just talking about like um, when they met, they just wanted to write songs that they would want to hear. And he says not mm-hmm. that nobody else could write these songs, but that nobody else would write these songs. Mm-hmm. So they were writing on all these like random topics and all these things that people were afraid to really touch or to, yeah. to come on. And that was just kind of like, you know, Scott Heron's like view on the world is like, he's like you were saying, I want to talk about this because nobody's talking about it. Yeah. And I think that these songs kind of need to be heard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like his, his take on it wasn't that he, he thought this was extremely controversial, that this was like the tip of a controversy spear. It was just more like, this is just a lens over like reality. Like, this is what I see. This is what other people see. Here's a perspective of a, of a, of a, of a man falling apart, or here's a perspective of a, of a, of a junkie. Here's, a, you know, there's so many different things you can look at mm-hmm. and show you that the, there's a variety in life and there's a variety in life paths and that they, they all cross a lot. It's like, but not all of them are the same, you know? Yeah. The quote here, yeah, it is from that okay player interview. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, we didn't want to write songs that anybody else would write. I didn't say could write, but would write. Mm. What we saw were people writing songs about unrelated love, unrequited love, and trying to get in somebody's pants. There were plenty of songs like that. We saw that we couldn't really add much to that dialogue and conversation. Hmm. Um, we looked elsewhere, and what we came up with is the fact that we were young black men living in America, which was a frustrating and frightening experience. We did what we knew best. We decided that we would write about that. We were lucky to have been able to do the first album, um, which was basically interested in spoken word. It was cheap and plentiful. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. But high quality. There you go. <laughs> All right. You got any, anything else for that one? That's it. All right. Awesome. So uh, the next track is uh, When You Are Who You Are. Uh, this is one of my favorite ones. It's it's a beautiful song. It's it's, it's lovely. It's, it's, it's much lighter. It's much more... Um, just lighthearted and it's just, you know, it, it's just trying to find the beauty in, in who you are. Um, it's got a, you know, bright saxophone, um, quick beat. It's just a, yeah, it's a good groovy song. Um, oh, and a tremendous guitar solo. I want to make sure I mention that. Because, um, <laughs> man, it's super good. Uh, by uh, uh, Burt Jones on the uh, guitar. Norberto. Yeah. Um, my favorite line on that on that song is, um, um, "I'm impri- I'm impressed every time you smile. When I feel that you mean to smile, because you can be so very beautiful when you are who you are." It's just a statement about the the beauty of of being genuine. Um, I mean that's, I mean you know me. I, I I love reality. I love keeping things as genuine as possible. Um, and I, and I think that's when you can truly embody and feel you know beautiful is when you're when you're, you're doing something that you perceive to be beautiful. And you know, it's like, if you, if you, you're feeling yourself, you know, you're feeling good and it's like, you'll, 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 you'll feel better. You'll talk better. You'll, you'll, you'll perform better. Um, when you're, when you're talking in terms of reality, when you're talking in terms of like, you know, it's like, you might think you're the greatest guitar player in Texas. It's like, until you actually branch out of your group of people and push yourself and you realize like, Oh, I'm not, 
maybe as good as I thought I was, but that's not a bad thing. You're just realizing where you are and that yeah. now you've achieved potential. You've achieved the next step of maybe what you thought you were already great at. Um, and that's, that's, that's beautiful because, um, I mean, that's just being human is, is you, you grow, you progress and, and the quickest, best way to do that. And the healthiest way to do that is just never lying to yourself, never lying to what you think your environment really is, you know, always keeping in check what it really is, you know? And that's why I think this song is, is kind of like an appreciation of that of saying, you know, when you're, when you are who you are and you're not just trying to be what other people want you to be or what you think you're supposed to be as a, a, a young person, as a young man, as a young black man, as you know, it's, there's so many layers that you could focus on and think that that's just, that's supposed to be my, my trajectory because of X. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like this song is, is a, a good reminder of, of you don't have to be what someone tells you to be, you know, like the, like the next, the, fo the following line, like, uh, when he says every morning, when you wake up, you put on a new disguise, how long do you think it would take me to realize, um, or, or, or towards the end, um, where is it? Where is it? Maybe it's not this song. Hmm. That it's on, but just the, just just that, just that fact that the that that one line is good enough. We're we're talking about uh, people never see the one to be themselves. Um, they end up run, running in circles, confused, um, just like everyone else. Saying that that just you know it's it's a it's a mad game. It's like a pile. It's a call in the advance. Everyone's got their mission, but they're crisscrossing from others. Every you know everyone's doing so many things, um, and some people are so focused on their career and just waking up and going to do that that they're they're just focused on doing that well, you know, while there's other mm -hmm. people trying to consider their neighbor, their brother and their father all in the same, you know, mindscape of thinking that I just need to get to my job. You know, there's, yeah. And, and if that's who you are, you know, you need to embrace that, that you can reach out to people that you could be more. Um, but just that's, that's what I, I feel like when I, when I listen to this song, it's just such a, it's a beautiful, a beautiful, um, um, description of, of how grand it is to be genuine. Hmm. That's good. I mean, that's kind of related to my, what I'll call like a, a stretch interpretation. I'll give you the, that, like, <laughs> forewarning note of mm -hmm. this is like me reading into the poem and, and listening to the song. But I also think that this is kind of with the, um, which was relatively new-ish about his time probably writing this, was like the Black is Beautiful movement and saying like... Um, you know, so many times during that time and now a lot of, you know, black people sort of argue that there's a face that people put on to go and interact with their work and with everybody else. So mm -hmm. they are making themselves more acceptable than who they really are. Um, like even, you know, this past year, um, there's a lot on like black Twitter of people saying like, oh, you're about to see like my real face when I wake up and I'm, you know, on Zoom because this is my house. Mm -hmm. And then like um, it's a big thing for black women in their bonnets that oh, they yeah. wear, like to keep their hair. And so to have like a Zoom call with your bonnet on is kind of like you're Whoa. dropping your face, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're showing that and so i think you know 
a stretch interpretation I'd say for this is like, you know, when you are who you are, then you are showing like your real smile. Like he mentions there, when I see your real smile yeah. there, not just like the polite smile that you give to your bosses or you give to, you yeah. know, the white people that you have to interact with or whatever, but it's like, you can be really beautiful. We can be really beautiful as just ourselves yeah. and going out and interacting with that. Um, you know, when he throws it out to people never seem to want to be themselves. Yeah. So it's like, we have, you're kind of accepting this mode of like, if this isn't you, then why are you pushing yourself so, so much hard. to be that? Yeah. Um, and it, all it is, is just confusing you yeah. and what you're, you know, wanting from the world. Like you've convinced yourself that this is the face that you want to put forward when you can really be beautiful just the way you are. So yeah. I think, I mean, overall it's, it's one of the more positive, most positive probably oh, yeah. song on yeah, absolutely. this whole thing. Yeah, and it ties in perfectly with the that reality check kind of theme of like I, talking, playing it how it is, calling yeah. it how it is. Yeah. The only part that's confusing to me about the song is um, the... The get it, no, get it, no, get it, get it. That, that was literally what I was about to say. Is that's my favorite line of the song. <laughs> but it's like it's not. That's where we're going. No, I'm I mean, almost, like maybe in the recording they were gonna keep going, but it seemed like they just cut the song off like ten seconds after. He's like, okay, play. <laughs> yeah, no, that I, I say that half jokingly that it was my favorite line of the song, but it is one of my favorite moments of the song because I look forward to that ender every time. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, what? What do yeah, we call I, it out? I think it was either they faded out, you know, in the, in the sure. music, or it was like, let's keep the, because it's such a high energy song. Yeah. And it's like, let's, you know, what what's something you say when you're at, you know, a slam poetry meeting and someone's, you know, <laughs> really taking it down, you know, you snap and you go, get it. You know? <laughs> yeah, but it just feels like, wait, are we about to go into more? And it's like, Brum. and then the next song is like, Brum. Oh yeah, I think I'll call. Oh, yeah, I yeah, yeah. Call I guess it's not as that, but but still, it's it's a slower, somber, <laughs> yeah. not more serious feeling, but it's just calmer. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. And I'm expecting like the flute to go off again, like <laughs> flute solo. But um, but if we want to move in the next this next one, sure. Um, I think I'll call it morning. Um, it is a much calmer um, song, but it's a it's a great song. Um, song about. I don't know. You could just say it's a strong will for living, you know. Um, my favorite line, um, which I guess would you call it the the hook or the chorus, maybe the Beano Rain line mm. in the song. I, I love that line because I mean he opens it up by saying, "You know, I'm going to take myself a piece of sunshine and paint it all over my sky." And then there's the break, the Beano Rain, and then it's like it just slows down, and he says it again, and it's just. I don't know the way it's composed and and just that line the there there will be no rain to me that's just such a like the 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 break and the line itself projects seriousness like not not seriousness as in like I'm talking about something really serious but saying like it's a serious statement like I I'm I'm making a a a um it's a statement that's going to uh, ring clear and it's important like saying that, like, uh, uh, not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a word of affirmation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like when he's saying that there'd be no rain, it's like, it, it, it's like you, you're, you're, you're stepping with steps of hope. You're not just moving through hoping things are going to work out. He's, he's, he's putting it out there. 
he's he's putting it into the to the ether into the universe yeah there's going to be no pain there's no rain there's no it's not going to happen i'm going to call it a beautiful reset i'm going to call it morning i'm going to call it a new beginning you know um i don't know you have anything to add no i mean i think that one is pretty straightforward like um i was thinking almost like a uh you know, you can have a play on mourning, like crying or whatever. Like mm. he's flipping that. Yeah, that like, too. I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna call. You know, this morning I'm gonna flip it into happiness, so that even when people call mourning, it's like, no, I'm I'm calling that a bright sky. Like, why yeah. should I live in sadness? Why should I live without hope? Exactly. It's like I'm gonna call. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm gonna call this whole thing opposite, so that yeah. I'm never going to that space, and I'm never living in that kind of zone. Yeah, but definitely well, a positive song. Because yeah, because yeah. Just sticking with that semblance of of the of either word mourning is mm-hmm. you look at mourning as in grief, you're going backwards in time. You're focusing yeah, on, for on sure. the past. And you're talking about mourning as like tomorrow. Yeah. It's tomorrow. It's you know, it, it is the morning. Um and it's a new start, new beginning, yeah, you know, type of thing. Um and it's a song about talking about why you know why why make compromise all the time like when he says uh why should i survive on sadness and tell myself i i I got to be alone why should i subscribe to this world's madness knowing that i've got to live on i think i'll call it mourning like saying you know why you know when i know things are so wrong when i know when i'm being you know commanded or forced into is so unnatural or so unfitting why why should i be okay with that you yeah, know, why should I be okay with something different? Yeah, and almost like because I believe in this very much is when you come to new terms with yourself and realize that that's all it is. Realize that you've just kind of forced yourself into a thought structure of thinking like I can't do that. That's not who I am. It's like well, you're not just you're not practiced in it yet. Maybe look at it that like that. Yeah, that maybe you're you're maybe you're not a a, a, a guitar player and you've only played a few times or you know you've never even really learned a chord structure or whatever well maybe you just need a new morning you need a new new day yeah a new way to to and i think that's where i was picking up on with like maybe it was a double play on morning of saying Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna call this feeling something like i'm going to name it more positive (laughs) yeah yeah so that i can have this relationship to it that's not what it's you know being fed to me or what i've been told to accept as that which again fits perfectly in the lines of the album yeah theme of the album for sure i'm gonna call it what it is and i'm not gonna fool myself into thinking that it's what the commercials tell me that it is and that you know it's more um in to think a certain way it's like i just i just call it how it is yeah definitely it's a good one um then the, the next track after that is the title track uh pieces of a man uh much more slower um more serious um it's a strong song basically um about a man or i guess a father figure um kind of falling apart in the like well like a puzzle dropped on the ground you know pieces of a man um Mm -hmm. this is a another song with a bunch of double meanings um but uh you know you you look at the the first um set of lines of saying um 
Uh, well, I'm not going to start it from the very beginning. Well, I guess I could. It's not that much. It's saying jagged jigs jigsaw pieces tossed around the room or about the room. Uh, I saw my grandma sweeping with her old straw, straw broom. She didn't know what she was doing. She could hardly understand that she was really sweeping up pieces of a man. Um, again, just talking about uh, a mother figure being involved with a man falling apart, you know, with, with, uh, with a hard, hard time in life, you know, and, 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 and this is all, as far as we know, it's, it's a, uh, it's fiction. It's just a story of a, of a man that, that, um, throughout the song, you know, he finds out he's being let go, um, in the middle of the song. So it's almost like you're, uh, he's talking about how he went from being a father figure with a job and being a provider in a place in the world or, mm -hmm. you know, a perception of that. And then with the simple action of a offensive action of a mailman showing up with a letter saying that he had been let go, he just degrades, you know, unwinds, um, uh, where, you know, he talks about in the, in the, in the middle of the song tells a tale of being let off, let laid off and then saying lines of, um, he, he could hardly understand that he was talking to, uh, pieces of man, pieces of a man, the mailman that is, um, was speaking to a broken man. Um, I saw the thunder and I heard the lightning and felt the burden of his shame. And for some reason, uh, for some unknown reason, he never turned my way. Um, I, that's a very heavy line because I feel like that's that's him addressing uh, like that father-son relationship. That if a father feels like he's losing his footing, you know, in his life and his standing in society that he wouldn't talk about that with his son because he's not, it's not, he, he's not, I'm not going to address that yet because I'm not going to open up about the pains of being a man or the pains of, you know, losing because I don't want you to see me be weak, hmm. you know, very old school, you know, I feel like yeah. that's, that's not, it's not healthy because it's not real, you know, it's like if he's, if your son's seeing you like this, this character in the song, if he sees you reeling from it and perceives it as, you know, I saw the thunder and the lightning, you know, as descriptions of how you're acting, Yeah. you know, it, it's like, you're not handling it well. And if you're not going to handle it well, you need to at least, you know, explain why it's so impactful. Otherwise your son's just going to see an example of, you know, you lashing out and thinking that that's okay to do, you know, um, but because he's ashamed, you know, but that's all, that's where it comes from. That, that part of the song of him saying he doesn't want to talk about it. He turned away. So he doesn't want to talk about how he couldn't provide. He couldn't be the person he thought he had set himself up. And I think, again, that ties into the, the, the theme of calling it what it is. You know, it's like, well, you know, maybe you need to do something more. Maybe you need to be more versatile, you know, because you're not even willing to address what just happened, you know, I, I don't know, you know, just see, I was, <clears throat> so, you know, just with my <laughs> background, this for me connects to kind of a broader social theme of, uh, if you go to the genius.com for this one, mm -hmm. the commentator has this like whole long thing about the history of black masculinity and all this jazz. And the first comment is like, this is bullshit. <laughs> but the, then the rest of it kind of defend. <laughs> but for me, um, it makes me think of a book that actually came out, um, was really influential about um, unemployment in minority communities in the 60s and 70s and 80s too. Um, 
called When Work Disappears. Mm. And it's um, William Julius Wilson is the sociologist who kind of looked at this, but he's looking at we kind of think of um, crime and poverty together and we think of them as like individual kind of pursuits or whatever mm-hmm. right. um, when it's these conditions like when you have mass unemployment it creates kind of creates a, a need for something right yeah, you become right. more isolated because you can't reach out to your neighbors and even if you could reach out to your neighbors if they don't have any resources it's like da, 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 there's so much that we hold as our society especially in America that we connect with work and so work makes us valuable works mm. makes us you know contributing productive citizens and so when we take that aware, when it disappears, then we really fall on, you know, our worst, you know, sort of nature, our, you know, worst sort of demons and that come out because we don't have anything that we could point to and be like, no, I'm a, I'm a pillar of, you know, stability. I'm yeah. a pillar of society because I have this job and I have this work. And right. I think like, um, you know, Scott Heron in his way is already identifying that way before this wouldn't work, you know, sort of theory in 96, like looking at the data from the 60s and the 70s, like when manufacturing jobs and all that were leaving the U.S. in the first round and you had these massive unemployment rings, like the mailman says, you know, there's nine others and the same thing, but like those jobs meant something different to, to each, each of them. those individuals. And yeah. so it's like you have a bunch of different pieces that are all scattered about. This is a really great, I think, picture of opening up like, you know, a woman is just cleaning a house, but yeah. these are like the pieces of his life. This is the stability. Like well, and that also, excess is <laughs> what makes him yeah, useful. Well, and, and literal. Like I, I, I take it also that he lashed out. Like yeah, this character. Like well, and he then they said like it. he gets into crime too. Like later right. on in the poem, it's like now he's on that because that's what pieces of men do. They find something to attach themselves to. Yeah, whether that's you know some drugs or some poverty or whatever. Like he saw it he saw it visually like it's almost like breaking bad but the not a successful <laughs> drug dealer type just right. the, uh, oh you went bad real fast and it got bad real fast and well, now you're in jail <laughs> yeah well and more than that where he says um when they say the the response of um just want to get this first line right, where it says, um, and now I hear the sound of sirens come knifing, uh, knifing through the gloom. Uh, this right here. They don't know what they are doing. They could hardly understand that they're only arresting pieces of a man. I feel like that's also kind of addressing that, you know, that he might be arrested because of his actions of, of acting out in anger, doing all sorts of things. Um, but it's almost saying that, you know, they could hardly understand that they're only arresting pieces of man. So they, they're not there to understand why he's broken. Oh, they're sure. there to respond. And, and that he's also, it's a momentary thing. Yeah. Um, and I feel like this kind of touches on it, but it made me think about this, that, you know, all criminals, like, <laughs> I kind of want to just, I know we talked about, Neil Young earlier, but you know, he has that line that every, every junkie's like a setting sun and that mm-hmm. he has a song called the, the needle and the damage done. And, um, I take that line as every, every junkie, every criminal is, is someone that just made a momentary choice. They made a choice that diverted their life. 
it, it included people in their social circle that maybe they never expected, but now it's changed them, you know, un unexpectedly. Um, but most of it can be pinpointed to a phase in, in life and until you've introduced to someone that there's more phases to life you know they're just going to be stuck in something and so you know to say that you know he's falling apart and he's only pieces I just feel like um, and and that they could hardly understand and it just the whole meaning of the song it it, it all wraps around one moment that he lost his job mm -hmm. and prior to that it seemed like who knows things are whatever they were but i just feel like that it makes me think of that like also like i don't want to get super heavy but like talking about the prison system and thinking that you know should people be sent to prison purely to be you know locked away or should it is there actually reform supposed to be done is are they supposed to be learning more learning to be a better citizen are they trying to recoup things how are they are they being cons counseled are they going through therapy like is it or is it just you did something bad here's a consequence you're locked in your room for 10 years is it is are you trying to understand what broke them or is that not your job <laughs> yeah that is a lot broader i think it's definitely a question that's being asked here right like each of these people they don't understand each of the people that are interacting right with the right. pieces don't understand that we're just dealing with the pieces of a man um i don't know if and I, this is kind of what that genius like the long little diatribe thing like initially gets at is like they go to even like the three-fifths kind of compromise oh. thing and think about like you know just them as pieces and kind of like the financial um, element yeah the financial element gets them that so I'm not going that far, but yeah, yeah, yeah. he doesn't really like introduce the idea that there was a whole man that had the job. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that's also true. Yeah. So it's like these are just the pieces. Like this is how we've connected. And so when you take away kind of the unifying thing, like I was thinking of, of just the job of this is how I'm connected to this. This is my stability. If you take away that, then you are just going to get pieces because this is all that we have yeah. right like, or, or realizing like what we were kind of talking about at the beginning is let's say this is all just concept but let's say it's a career guy and and the father figure he's he's maybe he's a banker maybe whatever but that's that's him to him that's him he's yeah. working all the time that is yeah, what he yeah, is yeah. and and it's almost like you know like me I might be a salesperson by trade, but I have the show, I'm a musician, yeah. I like to draw, I like to play games. There's a lot of other things that make me me outside of what I do as my job. Well, even just to tie in with what you were saying about the junkie, like that's a one season type thing. Like that's yeah. just one piece one part. of their personality. Yeah. That's one piece of their yeah. life. And so we're always just interacting with well, the different pieces. Maybe this, maybe he never saw himself as being a sit at a desk career type person so to him maybe this is him also talking about there's much more to life than just your career so maybe he's saying that there oh he's definitely saying that throughout this album oh but but, but yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> but meaning that like with this song though like pinpointing it more yeah. and saying that look he lost his career and now he feels like he's lost as a person for sure do you not realize that there's more to that for you know sure. and, and touching on it with with light hints like saying that his mother was having to clean up after him because yeah. of how shitty he was being yeah that yeah. he couldn't even admit and open up to his son so both both sides of generations he's not mm -hmm. even going to address because he's going to fold in on himself instead well and it's yeah and it's not even like 
he's interacting with the authority either, like, or people outside because the mailman is still getting pieces. Right. Everybody's just getting pieces. Um, and without that unifying job or whatever, like whatever gave him his groove. Yeah. yeah. And so you connect with that and when he blows up or when he throws all the pieces around in the storm, that's sort of created by that vacuum. Yeah. Then you get arrested. Yeah. Uh, anything else on that one? No, it was a great, uh, it's randomly sampled, I think by, um, why did I just space on his name? Kendrick? No. Um, he's got like writing credits over it from black and blue. Why am I spacing his name? I can, are you talking about the black keys thing? No. Oh, um, from his group. No, 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 no. It's like he takes some riffs. Um, the guitarist from Black and Blue. What's that album? What's his name? Let me. Gary Clark. Oh, oh, oh! Sorry, there's so many Black and. Blue. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like, which way are you spelling it? Because I don't know. Are you spelling it B L U? Can't you see in my mind? I'm spelling. Well, because you know, there's that. There's that. Oh no, 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 no! That's called uh, Black Rock. Never mind. I'm thinking of something else. The Wu Tang and most death uh, and black keys. I'm thinking I'm all over the place. That's a good album. That too. is a good album. That's very random. Um, but yes, yes, I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. Yeah, he gets Clark's credits on that. Album. They still some. Yeah, he still some lines or something from Brian Jackson. So they give it to him. Yeah, <laughs> right. Credit. It's another phenomenal album. I'd love to review that album someday too. Black and Blue. It's a great album. Um, the next track, um, following Pieces of a Man, is uh, a sign of the ages. Um, it's also serious, a slower song, um, more social commentary, of course. Um, I don't have a, a, a crazy ton to say about this. I just have my favorite line from the song um, where it says, uh, the, uh, the world's full of children who have grew, grown, uh, grow, who grew up too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's just a general great statement, a great reminder that you can, you can grow old, but you don't always grow up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to find the exact line, but it always makes me think of uh, Ben Fold's line. Um, oh, gosh. It's saying kids today grow up too fast. Um, they get nostalgic about the last 10 years or the next 10 years before the next 10 years have passed. Oh, that's a so good line. So it's like. We're always kind of like you're there, but you're not appreciating, yeah. you know, the journey that you've taken. There's no romance. Or, it's yeah, like, it's like it's like wine. <laughs> it's like wine. It's there's no romantic feelings about it until it's aged enough. Oh, nice. <laughs> 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 this uh, is an incredibly depressing song. I feel like this one. Yeah. Is, oh yeah. No, it is. It's it's yeah. But I think I mean. If he's writing this 69, 70, um, and one thing that he always, like, if you see different interviews with him talking about the revolution will not be televised, mm-hmm. he always says, like, you know, brothers are thinking that the revolution was going to come in the 60s, and they were saying, you know, revolution's here, revolution's here, and then three or four years later, and nothing's happened, nothing's happened. Um, like, this is kind of that feeling, like... We thought that the revolution was going to come, but mm. now it's just like, this is it. Like, 
this is life. We get no peace. It just keeps on going. Until oh, we get you die. a sign of the times. Yeah, it's just like like this is yeah. <laughs> this is all you get. Just more of the same. And sixty nine seventy. I mean, I could see that. Like, oh yeah, it could be really dark for, especially if you were super in that movement. I had just watched. Um, I'm trying to think of what year that was. That Netflix, the Chicago Seven, mm-hmm. and that was kind of that same deal. But I mean, Abby Hoffman kind of like is in that mode, and he never realizes the revolution that he wanted to come, and he ended up committed suicide um, late '80s. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like that fervor that was there in the '60s just really didn't you know translate or go into exactly what some of those like more radical activists wanted to happen yeah and so dealing with that and you know handling that emotionally was probably pretty difficult and yeah and feels like this song yeah there's no peace on earth man no peace until you die (laughs) yeah that is a heavy line there's there's also the weird thought of realizing that this was 71 and um not trying to get extremely political here but i just know that when nixon was reelected, that you know a lot of people realized we're going to stay around in the war longer things could go yeah a, a direction that i don't i don't jive with for sure and because i mean i remember like a lot of artists when he got reelected, were very surprised because of how poorly the war was you know perceived by Americans mm-hmm. in society um, that when he got reelected, like I know a lot of artists kind of withdrew and freaked out for a moment. Like, I, remember, I know like John Lennon like reeled from it for like a long time. He didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting to know that like a song kind of like this was set up right on the edge of kind of like a reminder of like, yeah, no, the pacing really isn't changing. It's changing, but the, the social pacing isn't, isn't a, uh, um, isn't like, uh, uh, turning the uh, a lane or turning into a new hallway, social change is like a battleship. Yeah. And when you when you make a new direction, it takes that ship a long time. Yeah, for sure. Because you, you you might you might you might gain one percent of change, but you know one percent for a, ba- a degree difference on a battleship after ten years, you know. Yeah. Well, that was always the Obama argument of like, I'm not, you know, we're not. His metaphor, we're not turning a little boat, we're turning a big ship. Yeah. So if I do something now, then it goes yeah. towards that. That's a good connection with um, Nixon and, and Gil Scott Heron, though. So he was probably just like, you know, I can see it. Just like, you know, some people were saying about our times of like, you know, these are the movements. These mm-hmm. are the people that are going to stay in office no matter what. And you yeah. can write a really sad song about that. <laughs> yeah, well, this definitely is that. <laughs> you got anything else on this one? No. Okay. The next All one right. is about the same. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Or down you fall. It's very um, nothing against the the anybody involved in this song, but it's just such a. Uh, I, I when I've listened to it more, I've become to appreciate the the timing change where he's like, "Or oh, down you fall," mm. and then it picks back up into the next thing yeah. like a little bit more. At first, it was a little jarring because it just felt kind of like a, a not not laxed, but kind of like a just like a calm like 
Um, like it just didn't seem they, oh, they didn't, intentional. Yeah, it, it, well, it didn't seem super electrifying or sensational in a way. It was just kind of dull. Um, but the, the I, I do like the song. Um, he, I feel like he sing, he sings more, like the way he's he's saying the the lines. He's more singing it than than speaking it in some of the other ones. Um, I like how the second half of it is is faster pace. How the pacing of it mm. picks up a little bit. Um, I, I I do like that. Um, but it's, it's basically it's a song about pushing forward. Uh, my my favorite line, excuse me. Uh, my favorite line from this um, this song is, "I can't stand to see your face because you've seen the weak the weakest me, and now you know I'm only human instead of all the things I'd like to be." Mm. Um, Again, just tying into that 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 real that realness of um, of like pride. That's all that's talking about is being like I I hate that you saw the weakest me when it wasn't the person I've been projecting out this entire time. It's like in this song, it's almost like a a, a feeling, a statement of regret, but also a statement of relief. Like being like I hate that you saw that. But like now, kind of that burden's been lifted in a way because now you really know who I am. Um, I know the song is heavier where it doesn't really give that off, but the rest of that album though kind of mm. speaks to that of saying, you know, you're beautiful when you are who you are. You're, um, um, oh, I'm trying to recall the line from the Coltrane song, but just that kind of idea of like just just call it what it is. Just if 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 the veil gets lifted and someone sees the 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 the, the dirtiness, sees really how you think, and and they give you feedback, they give you commentary, they're critical of you. Well, don't don't fear the criticism. Just find it as a healthy thing and and learn how to uh, use it. You know. See um, this one, well, I just think of like the hamster wheel at this one. Like this one I think is and then the next one, the needle's eye, I think are the ones that are most against kind of the the job is the identity or the system, hmm. like yeah. if you want to say like capitalism, like that hamster wheel of you keep on going, like it's a simple circle. You just got to keep on going. Like I think this one is his most like wink at there's got to be something more, more to that because it's, you know, I take this little paper ship and the sea of fire and it's like, you know, I have not a prayer on this thing, but I keep on going. And he's like, I'm going to pretend I'm an iron man. So I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, invincible and I'm keep on going. I'll keep on turning. And I despise, like, I hate that you saw that I'm not keeping up that yeah. I'm still just going. But I think that's definitely like his argument of there's outside of this, there's More. got to be outside of this, or it's like, we can see through that, you know, yeah. how many other people you think have it all together. It's like, this is not, set up for them to have it all together. There are no iron men we can see behind. And or, no one's perfect. Yeah. Like we have that view on everybody. And so yeah. it should be evident. Yeah. Do you have anything else on them? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, the next one, the needle's eye, that's one of my favorite ones. Um, yeah. I feel like this one, I, I did not confirm this, but I feel like this one, was done because I know it was done in two days. The album was recorded in two days. I feel like the needle's eye was done with the first half of the album, like whenever that first half was done, because it, it, it fits that tempo, it fits the quicker feeling, you know, mm. that jazzier feeling. And then they, um, and I feel like they they moved it down to, to spread it, you know, keep that keep that vibe 
more throughout the album. So it's not just a, a real stark first half is really bright and, and quicker and faster paced. And then the second half is way slower. You know, I feel like they wanted to blend it a little bit more. Um, just throwing that out there. Um, but I love the needle's eye. That's one of my favorite ones. It's obviously, um, it's a reference to Matthew, uh, 19, uh, 23 and 24. Um, uh, about, um, just, you know, it's easier for, a. uh, um, Oh my God, I'm blanking on it. Got, oh, got your Bible verse. Don't, do don't do it to me. But, uh, you know. <laughs> you want me to do it? Yeah, you go ahead. It's easier for a camel to go yes. through the eye of the eating needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. heaven. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's just the first line. I don't know why. Um, but the. Uh, and it's like he's not even talk necessarily about like riches or anything like that. Well, the second verse, he's talking about the money spent for war. Oh, oh, well, well yes, yes, that, yes. Um, How much we could be feeding kids. Yes, um, but I take that more as, I don't know. I mean, that's the Vietnam War right there. And it, yeah, because that's the... Because that was his big thing, too, on um, in the Talk album, and then it later goes on to another one, the Whitey on the Moon. Mm -hmm. He's saying, like... Oh, there's real problems here on Earth, but they're putting people on, the, like they're putting a man on the moon, spending all of that yeah, millions right. of dollars there. When it's like, we how many kids? Yeah, there. how many kids could you feed with that one? With the funding ship, like, yeah, for that one yeah. trip to the moon that you spent and yeah. all that. Okay, that's what he said. Yeah, the first line: a circle, <laughs> a circle spinning faster. Earth, like it's gotta be Earth, uh, and getting larger all the time. Population. Mm -hmm. Um, world, a whirlpool spell disaster for all the people who don't rhyme. If you're not paying attention, it's going to just run right over you. If you're not, for, you know, if you're not, uh, uh, um, if you don't have personal agency and you're setting your own rhythm yeah. to how life and society is investing, pointing things out, putting their foot down. If you're not doing it in your own, yeah. you're just going to go with the times. Um, and then my, my favorite line, um, which this is the, the tie to the, to the verse, is um, him who don't fit through the needle's eye, him who do, just don't understand, um, a brand new sense of freedom, a brand new sense of time, him who go and stand alone now and leave the, the hate and fear behind. Um, I kind of want to talk about that line, just a brand new sense of time. Um, what do you what do you think he means by that? Uh, <clears throat> so, I mean, I think this would be like the most. I'm gonna say this is this is a stretch interpretation from me, okay. <laughs> but this could be the most like communist friendly mm. song. Um, I know that he kind of dabbled in that because the most of those radical 60s especially like black black panther yeah, yeah they dabbled in kind of that right. and this um the sense of time and the sense of freedom is definitely a call to marxist like ideology mm. so what he's saying like they're focusing on money and it's focusing on production like the capitalist system is moving and um marx's idea for work and for freedom was that you can um have like surplus value whatever that comes from your work but then you distribute that each one to kind of its own their own need or whatever mm -hmm. but that this actually frees you up 
So you're still working, but you're doing something that you want to do and you're getting the labor, like you're getting the value of all the labor that you put into it. Mm -hmm. So that's a new sense of agency for you. And, um, there's actually this book I'm reading now, um, called, uh, it's a secular faith. And his idea is that, um, and it's a Marxist sort of buildup of that is like, we have time or we should have time as a value instead of money because we can say like we set priorities of our life because we have a finite life. Mm -hmm. And so the measure of our time should be way more valued Mm -hmm. and how we sort of take into account other people's time. So saying like we live such a short life, why are you only working for this economic value? or for this capitalist production when you could be working for a new value of life or a different priority of humanity. So that's why I take from that as a brand new sense of time. And that was kind of in the lexicon of the time um, in the seventies and definitely in the sixties for that. saying like, we don't need to be working just for cash money um, when we could be working for value of time and yeah, something that we want to do. And yeah, well, that's what this whole song is about is what's the point of extravagance when things are so uneven still. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then leave the hate and fear behind. So that's definitely like a war. Capitalist war was definitely yeah. like the title attributed to the Vietnam yeah. War, like why we were fear even of, there in the first place and fear. Fear of change, so unfamiliar. If we were taken care of, then we wouldn't need to be in those yeah. struggles. Well, like, yeah, because the way I, want, I like to like to think about it. It's like, it's like, it's like, what's the point of, um, extravagance when things are uneven, but it's still fixable, but with the right focus. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I feel like that's what, that's, what's interesting about this song. I mean, this, this, I mean, the whole album is it's not just a call to what's wrong or what, what he sees, you know, it's not a selfish perspective. It's much more of what, that there's still time, like there's still thing we can do about this. It's just, we actually have to realize that there's a perspective we have to adopt. There's a, there's a, a, um, there's more potential to other people. You know, if we talk to them, if it was a junkie, it's not just a junkie. It's someone's son, you know, used to be a worker, used to be maybe a father that fell apart. You know, it's like, there's, it's not that simple. It's like life is very valuable. And, And it's until you choose to focus on, on that type of life and that you would appreciate it or lifestyle, whatever. Um, this is the song that I, I um, was trying to reference earlier. Um, the line where it says, um, people wake up every morning and simply push their lives aside. They seem to carry all their feelings crushed and crumbled up inside. Um, you know, it's like, a, it's putting a life into work, a life into a career for nothing. Um, maybe just to pay the bills and get by. Um, but there's not, there's not a, there's not substance to it. There's not growth from it. It's just, yeah. maybe you're just a factory lineman, you know, and that's all you do. You're just robotic work, you know? And, and I think we're in a, a phase in society where we're about to see a lot of that simple labor stuff start to get phased, faded out by, you know, AI and, and robotics. And, and it's interesting to think about it because, um, you know, if you're already having to swallow feelings, subdue, you know, maybe what you naturally want to do because you have to go and do this simple labor job to pay your bills and whatever. And you realize, you know, we're on the cusp of a lot of those millions of jobs, truck driver jobs, 
call centers are starting to disappear because you can automate that stuff easier and easier. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's, it's just going to be gone. It's not, you know, so it's like what, again, just like in pieces of a man, someone takes away your job. What's left? Are you crumbled or is there, is there more than that? Is there more than that to you? Because there's always more than that in life, but you've chosen to just focus on this. And, and if that's all you have, and especially like this line where you have to wake up every morning and push yourself to the side to mm. get in line, you know, and to dive that's, back yeah, into that's, this. That's great imagery for, you know, people that don't like their work or can't see any end game in it potentially. I think that's why, I mean, 2020 could be a lot of unrest in one sense of saying like, well, I lost this job or this job was different. And then I realized like, oh, I do like doing such and such at my house mm -hmm. or like, you know, people moved because they realized like this didn't, this wasn't where I wanted to spend my life and my time. So right. it's all these changes that people are making because there was suddenly, I don't know, like the commute, a lot of the rat race kind of stopped because there wasn't as much to do because things were shut down. Yeah. And yeah. so you rethink those priorities and look at what is my life? What do I want it to be? What do I want it to be doing? Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, definitely what he's saying here, but that's a great, a great line. Yeah. To push their lives aside. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have anything else to add. To I like this the one. next, I mean, I like the next little stanza there where he's just like, I went to see my father. So yes, it's kind of the metaphor for like a previous generation potentially. And he says, I asked him, you know, all these questions of like, why do we, you know, probably why do we keep going? Why is this, yeah. this way? Why is this way? He's like, well, he didn't want to answer. Yeah. Which is either like. He ref knew the answer was pointless or didn't know the answer just unaware. or just didn't want to see it is kind of what this well, also, kind of makes it seem like the world must be blind. It's like they don't see it or they don't want to see it. Well, and I think it's, it's, it's high back to pieces of a man of saying he didn't want to talk to me, you know, like an album, it's like when, when the heavy moment happened, he didn't want to mm -hmm. turn to me. And I think it's the same kind of thing as the older generation of, I don't, I don't open up about what I'm going through. You know, I don't, I'm not going to sure. be expressive. I just, I'm the provider. I tell you what to do and how best to walk through your life. Yeah. But you're not going to, you're not going to walk through life with me. You're not going to help me dissect what just happened, you know, not realizing that that will help them if that ever happens to them in the future, but just being selfish in the short term thinking I'd rather protect my pride than involve you. Because yeah. then you'll realize that. Because that's the thing is that every every child goes through that season or that moment in life when you realize you're one of, one of your parents aren't a superhero, but to to actively try and neglect your child to hint, you know keep that from happening, I think is an old habit. So being like, I want to be perceived as the knowledgeable person in the room, the person that can can be effective and can be the the. The, the handyman or the know-it-all or the, the, the guidance in life, you know, I'm yeah. that guiding light. And, and if I have to explain to my little boy that I couldn't even keep my job, how am I going to have that? And that's such a, a, a heavy prideful burden to just carry on you to think that you have to defend that stuff when all you have to do is not defend it, but just explain it. You know, and it's like when you, if you lose your job and you can't express about it to your family, especially the youngest in your family, then how are you going to be relatable to adults when you can't even relate to a child? Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. <clears throat> it's, 
it's just such a strong holdover of how the family structure is kind of shaped within maybe American society Mm. up until recently, you know, and even now you can't super get by like the majority of families don't have one income earner that man and he goes out there and you know comes yeah. back and like that's it it's like there's multiple people working there's potentially multiple generations in that household yeah, but very different all of that is kind of that holdover of like this is what the man's role is right. and you know you just kind of did that and mm-hmm. i think of like so my parents are were older so like their parents were even older. Like my grandfather fought in um, World War II, and just thinking about like some of his views that have been, you know, relayed to me because I didn't know mm-hmm. him that well. But it's like they had such simple like aspirations on life. Like they were um, depression children, you know, oh, children of the mm-hmm. depression. So like all of these things like my mother always marveled at like when my cousins were a little bit older than me probably like you know 10 15 years older than me Mm -hmm. when they were born and there was like toys that they played with it was like my grandfather and his brothers were just as interested in those toys as you know my cousins were because they didn't have those Mm. things when they were growing up it's like we just didn't have those aspirations for those many things like we have such a luxury right Right. now to have an existential crisis it's like they would never have thought about that in war times to be like what is my purpose in doing this or why can i find my spark of joy or whatever like it was like how can i put this food on my table table, so i can live to see the next week (laughs) yeah (laughs) what's gonna fulfill me next week (laughs) yeah exactly so in ways it's like progress but then it's also you feel those wheels grinding yeah um that are kind of like artificial now that we have so Mm. much abundance and we um you know separate ourselves from our real lives because we're creating or reinforcing this false scarcity in that sense right right like a starvation mentality when it's not or famine famine mentality when it's not really like that for sure and and i and i think like his his concept of of being able trying to open up your your mind to being the the constantly telling you in this album that you know your career and your work isn't everything um that you know who you are isn't what you um uh, what isn't just the works you do to make money for someone it's the work you do for everyone and for yourself um I think it, it ties into, at the time, it might have been much more in private that you, you know, you know who you are and you do your best to find, you know, a market for that. Like, you know, you know, at that point, maybe it was, it was harder to hone in your craft and become a musician and work your way through the ranks and become successful. And, and you could do that with any industry just because there were, there were less companies, there were less opportunities and it just is what it is. The internet wasn't around, so it was also harder to network. Mm. Um, but if you look at it today, where it's easier to network, easier to it, 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 to find a job nowadays, you literally just have to go to Indeed.com. That's it, you know. And then boom, you don't. Maybe you don't want to do it, but hey, there's plenty of jobs right there. It took you two seconds to find potential work, right? And so it's almost like it's a difference. It's a total difference from 50 years ago, from when this album came out. Mm. That that now it's. It's not just then it was valuable to know who you are because you need to be careful and clever and work 
to be disciplined to you know make your life's work to really mean who you are nowadays it's even it's easier to get lost in the ocean of opportunities and possibilities um, that now it's even more important to be aware of who you really are and what your you know real ambitions are to make sure that you don't get you know, put into a path just because it was you were marketed to in a certain way, or just because you went to school with a certain person, or just because a social networking algorithm kept you in a thought bubble. You know, it's like it's so much more important nowadays, even when this than when this came out 50 years ago, to be critical in that way and to be self-critical in that way because you aren't just you nowadays. You're a mirror of everything around you, and if you're not careful of the things that are impressing upon you, then you don't, you know, you'll get stuck in that feedback loop, and and you won't, you know, if you're not testing yourself and you're not trying to include, you know, other people that come from different walks of life and in all sorts of perspectives, and you don't have to talk these things out in a calm manner in an expressive fashion that really gets it across in a genuine sense, then how do you know what you know is right? You know, if you're never, you know sharpening your spear, testing yourself, talking, opening up, and just staying in a certain way. But, you know, it's much different nowadays than then, but it's still the same rules apply, that you still have to be careful, you still have to be critical, and that doesn't just mean critical of your fellow man, that's being self-critical. Mm-hmm, for sure, for sure. Um, I don't really have anything else to add for that one. Um, I guess we can we can move to the last track if you're ready. Yeah. Yes. So um, the last track. Um, now we are reviewing the original release of Pieces of a Man. There was a deluxe version released that include um, three additional tracks by uh, Black and Blues, which was a band that um, Gil Scott was involved with. Um, they recorded three additional songs um, that you can find on streaming. Um, Chains, Peace, and A Toast to the People are those songs. Um, so you can listen to them, um, obviously, but we will not be covering those. Just disclaimer. <laughs> um, so the last track we're going to do here is The Prisoner. Um, it's a very different feeling, like right off the bat. <laughs> like right off the bat. With the orchestra. Yeah, but it's very slow, like a very very drawn out kind of build. Um, I don't even know. Is long. that even, a, like, is it a string? Or what is that? I don't. I don't know what exactly. I, I think it's a. I think it's a um, classic bass. I think it's a, a stand up bass played just weirdly. Super, yeah. I think. I think it's maybe it's out of tune or something. It just sounds. I don't know what that, that is. I was like, they don't ever credit like what that is. Not an orchestra or whatever. Yeah, so it I, just must be the. I think it's got to be like a classic bass or something, just kind of played in a weird way. I'd have to really leave here sad. again. This one is, I mean, this song is just super hard to listen to. Like, I feel I'm the prisoner that's <laughs> trying to listen to this song. I don't know. <laughs> 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 <It's gonna go. laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, and it's very long. It's almost nine minutes. Um, it's, uh, I don't know. It's a song about feeling trapped in society, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, uh, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull something off about this one. If you have, do you have anything to say? I mean, I think it is like, it is kind of tell like a broader, every black man or every, you know, black family story. Um, 
and how it's kind of like a chain, like that's the the system is yeah. kind of the prison and um, yeah, like like his line chained by the caveman. Yeah, cave, cave caveman. Yeah, yeah. He says caveman. Just yeah, like that kind of uh, framework of saying that I, I'm trapped as a prisoner, but it's because of yeah, multi generational an extended kind of metaphor yeah. of like this is every um, kind of black story in America. It's like this is kind of where I'm at because we've set up and blah 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 blah, and I fall into this cycle as well. And you know, I go and I do my little part, but I'm still chained and. We're the prisoner, the yeah. prisoner, but it's, yeah, melodically just really hard to, uh, <laughs> go through. Yeah. And you hear like kind of his weaknesses as a singer, I think the most in this song. Mm. <laughs> I feel like maybe he had a hard time translating it to that tempo and feeling like, mm. I feel like maybe they looked at the, the writing, like the, the structure, and realized, like, you know, this could play out as a slower, more serious, drawn-out song. Mm. But maybe as a singer, like as the, 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 um, the vibrance in the song, the person projecting out, maybe he didn't know how to really accompany that as much. Especially this being his first, you know, Yeah, album. first crack at that. I wonder if that will, because... So Jackson, in an interview with that OK Player interview, talked about how they, with writing with Scott Heron, like he, he always had the music first, and then Scott Heron would come in with the it. lyrics. So, or at least most of the songs that they wrote together, he said they described it. He described it like that: like he would, um, Jackson would have like these musics, and he's like, it would take me like two years to write a whole song with lyrics and all that. And this guy was pumping stuff out in two weeks. So mm. he was like, he could do the lyrics and he would just listen to the song and get the feel of it and ask me what I was feeling when I was thinking about different parts. And then he would, you know, spit stuff to it. Yeah. But I don't know about this song because Seems I mean, it, it feels like, yeah, he is stretching to like put words like in this tempo and in this mm -hmm. rhythm. So there is, I mean, it's maybe not a, this one's the other way. Yeah. It's not a mismatch, but it like, I mean, it's like too in sync. It's like, you could have just, I don't know, done the spoken word over that and like had some just yeah. free range music. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that, maybe that's why this one's at the end. Maybe this one is one that they did, you know, towards the end or something. It was the opposite. Maybe they yeah. didn't have the, the, the um, the com composition of the music, yeah. but they're like, we have a good good poem. Or you are just supposed to get the feeling that you're the prisoner. That's the yeah. that's the takeaway. Just draw it out, make them feel tortured. I don't know. I think it would be. It's always interesting, you know, like the order of albums. Yeah. I don't know. You think that this was very intentional how they did the order of these tracks? Maybe, because I'm also thinking this is 71 so the main way people would have heard this anyways would be on vinyl so you know when you when you curate an album for vinyl production you have to be careful about how you split it in half well you had like the a sides and the b sides so you would mostly have like your good songs on top right sure and that's definitely this one like the the more vibrant faster yeah for you know, sure you know uh, easier side. songs are on the on the top but then you start the the second half with um I think I'll call it morning and pieces of a man. The whole thing is more serious on the second half. Do um, you have the? I want to make sure. Yeah, it's, oh, the, the second side starts off with that? pieces of a man. Yeah, the second side. So 
it, it's almost like the second side is the more serious slowed down side, but of all of those tracks, that's like the slowest one. Oh yeah. So I just feel like that's why they put it at the end was like, it fits the theme, mm-hmm. but it's going to be like, cause again, I'm thinking about experience, vinyl experience back then. Like yeah. when, when the Beatles did, um, Sergeant Pepper, George Harrison really, really wanted Within You, Without You on the album, which is, you know, very Indian sitar inspired and very different from the whole album. So they purposely put that as the first track on the second side so that if you didn't like it, you just skip it immediately and you won't miss anything else on on the B side. So, you know, you have to think about that. It's like, this is the least popular song, but it's still, I think it's still good. Should I put it at the beginning so they could skip it easier or do I put it at the end because maybe they just, it's maybe they just playing. Yeah, it is using as background music. So I kind of perceive this song as this is the serious slower side. So let's take the most serious, slowest song and put it at the end, just in <laughs> wow. case. So people are asleep by the end of this. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, or also, I also take the last song, like me, this is total personal belief. Like I take the first song and last song as being very important because to the artist. Yes. Because it's the intro and the outro. I think of it like a movie, you know, you, as a movie, you want the intro and the outro to be familiar in some sense of you know, yeah. some fashion. And so for, so I think of music the same way that, you know, most of the time I think it's purposeful how it's ended. Um, that, you know, this out, al- this, this album almost feels like it, 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 it slims down a little bit. Like it goes from being like really robust, fast paced, hard hitting lines. And then it gets a little slower more mm-hmm. serious, more to the point in certain ways. Yeah. And so by the time he gets to the prisoner, he's like, this is the wrap up. If you've, if you're listening to this album all the way through to this point, then you're the fan. Yeah. Then you, you're, you're serious and you're <laughs> yeah. listening. So I'm going to give you something that doesn't have to keep your ear dancing the whole time. Yeah. I'm just going to give something that makes your brain move. You know? I mean, you can definitely get that from the message of this one. Um, but just the feel of it. I mean, the feel of it is a little different even from the slower songs. Yes. Um, so it's just hard. I mean, I could I could see this as like him wanting to be a pinnacle message. Um, but just the feel of the song is just so hard to yeah. take down easy, I guess. It's almost like it's missing an instrument. Like there's something that could have kept you a little more pulled in, like in the background, while there is all this other stuff going slow. You know what I mean? Like something mm. juxtaposition to so like while everything's slower and he's talking slower, there's something in the background that's a little more lively. Lively, yeah. Mm. You know, free. Yeah. Maybe, uh, you know, that's why you feel like the prisoner while you're watching the outside world be jazzy around you. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a very long song. But it's, it's a phenomenal album. Like I said, I've, I'm really very happy I've, I found it when I was digging into it. Very surprised it took me this long to, to find out about it, given that I had heard, you know, it's sampled. Well, that, that's also another thing that, like, as a music lover, and 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 this platform is giving me more opportunity and more discipline to dig even deeper than I would normally into certain stuff, music history stuff, is is finding stuff like this and, and realizing that, like, 
I've heard this stuff just mm-hmm. sampled, you know, yeah. through someone else's perspective of appreciating it in their own way um, and introducing it to a, an audience. You know, that's how I found it. Yeah. Um, Especially with hip hop. I mean, that big genre job. seems to have more elements of that where a lot of rock music tries to do like either just pay homage or you totally know, try different. to do yeah something completely different so yeah. you don't have the same like you can hear the same hooks right <laughs> in some rap songs through the decade yeah yeah and i mean the people that have sampled this have been you know from a full line used in it like kanye or from like um like kendrick on his first on section 80 you know he he uses just like a little sample part that he just repeats to turn into a good mm-hmm. beat it's not like even a like a really thing. you know yeah. big thing um but yeah, I, I just this album is a is great. It's a great example of how you know a great work can echo through the decades, you mm-hmm. know, through through different people either appreciate it or like me, you know, not even realizing that this was a foundation for someone that I've appreciated for a long time, you know. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, great album. Yeah, super good. Anything else? Awesome. Well, this has been a good one. Um, so yeah, Pieces of a Man, uh, phenomenal album. Um, we will keep up these album reviews. Uh, we'll have another one up pretty soon. Um, keep it going with the track-by-track track breakdowns. Um, but yeah, um, just been sitting down with Scott, and uh, thank you guys for, for tuning in, and we'll hit you all with the next one. Until next time. Thank you for listening. For more episodes, visit our website, musicmythpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Goodbye.